Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We thank you for your word that you will minister to us by your spirit. We thank you that as we touch on you, stress on you, may your Holy Spirit descend upon us like never before. I pray that at the end of the day, may our understanding concerning you be enlightened. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited about the re-inception of our series, which we began on February 2019. And that is the book of John. So we are starting volume three. Amen. And I've changed the title actually. It was called The Book of John Projecting His Divinity. But I decided to change the title from The Book of John Projecting His Divinity to The Book of John, The Lordship of Jesus Christ. So from now, that will be the new title of the series. And we are taking our time by divine instruction to go through the scriptures, especially that book, systematically, to bring us to an established truth or doctrine that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Gospels, which also con consist of Matthew, Mark, Luke, in addition to John, they have various and different emphasis. But the book of John primarily focuses more on Christ's divinity, which has to do with Christ's deity. And when we are talking about divinity and deity, we are talking about Jesus being in the same class and in the same breath as God. And not only that, he is God. That's why the most popular word in the book of John is belief. God wants us to come to a place where we believe and we are established in the truth that Jesus is Lord. So, so far, we've looked at 46 installments from eight chapters of the book of John. And today will be our 47th, starting from chapter 9. So, turn with me to John chapter 9, verse 1 to 12. And I'm ministering under the sub-theme, the works of God. John chapter 9, verse 1. To 12, and I read. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from death, from Beth, I'm sorry, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he has said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. 
Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. So like I said, I'm ministering under the sub-team, the works of God. Jesus also on one of his many journeys, and he saw a blind man. Then his disciples probed further on what caused this unfortunate situation. And they asked two very important questions. Did this man sin? Or did his parents sin? Jesus then responded to the query that sin isn't the issue behind this man's plight. Um, may we be very careful in judging people when they are going through unfortunate events or rough patches in their life. You are not God. You are not the end all, be all. You don't know it all. You don't know why people might go into situations. Yes, there are people who might struggle in their lives who might be going through certain rough patches because of sin. But that is not always the case. This man was born blind, not because he sinned or because his parents sinned. So let's be careful. Because sometimes we throw our words and touch too many people, unfortunately, and we could be wrong. Do you know why the couple is childless? The couple might be childless not because the woman has committed an abortion or because she's under a curse. Do you know why the man is struggling with that chronic sickness? It might not be what you might think. But Jesus says that sin is not the issue. He didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. I've come to realize that when you read the Bible, there are people who are like Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says they were blameless, yet they went childless. It is very possible that you can live in this fallen and corrupted world and you can be dealt with a bad hand not because you have planted certain seeds and you are reaping. But it's just life. But I like what Jesus went on to say. This man was born blind so that the works of God will be revealed in him. So I think one thing we will have to get this morning is that it is very wrong and very unchristian to judge people when they are suffering. Jesus, who being the judge, who being the Alpha and Omega, and who is God, clothed in flesh, said, it's not sin. It's not an issue of generational curses. It is that the works of God will be revealed. Jesus then stressed on the urgency of working the works of God while it is day. In fact, when you look at the verse we just read, or the, the scripture we just read, the, the word day and night are figurative expressions. So Jesus is saying that I have to do the works of God whilst there is an opportunity. That's the meaning of the word day. And then night refers to death. So Jesus was saying that whilst I am on this earth presently, I have to do the works of God whilst I have an opportunity. Because a time comes when death will lay its icy hands. Well, by the way, 
That's what makes Jesus different. Death could not really lay its icy hands on Jesus. It might lay its icy hands on us, but for Jesus, the Bible says that he gave himself. Death could not hold him captive. But Jesus was saying that a time is coming that when the night season or when death comes and when my bodily visage is no longer on this earth, I can't do what I'm supposed to do. Jesus then boldly and emphatically stated, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. So now my question, what are the works of God? They are the acts of God that rouses people's faith to believe in Christ as the sent one and also in his divinity. And whenever I use the word divinity, the next word you have to think of is Lord. So that is the purpose. That is the premise for which Jesus had to do the works of God because it will serve as a point of contact to boost the faith of people to believe that Jesus is a sent one and number two, Jesus is Lord. Now, a typical example of the works of God are found in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. And when Jesus Christ read this scripture, he was just reading a prophecy by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 61. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, what we just read in Luke 4, verse 18 to 19, are termed the works of God. And this is what Jesus came on earth to do. This was his mandate. And by involving himself in such acts, it causes the people, his audience of the day, to believe that he is sent and he is Lord. Now, Jesus explicitly said the works he does makes him stand out as the light of the world. And the term the light of the world is no strange phenomenon, especially if you've been following these teachings. Because in part 42, under the sub-team, I did a message called I Am Part 2. And... In the book of John, one of the things that's, that stands out from Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the bold and the emphatic sayings of Jesus, which is called the I Am Saints. And so far, we've looked at three of them. And one out of the three we have seen previously was I Am the Light of the World. And in that series, when Jesus said he was the light of the world, it stressed that there was darkness in this world. And the world was in need of light. That's a spiritual metaphor. Because you have to understand that Israel at that time, they were not experiencing power rationing. So when Jesus was talking about he was the light of the world and, and he came to solve the perpetual darkness that came as a result of sin, he was talking about a spiritual connotation. He was talking about, you need me. Because without me, you are blind to the reality that I am Lord. And you cannot be an heir of salvation. So that is what the light of the world really signified. And if you do remember, during that series, we talked about the second implication of Jesus' words, which says, I am the light of the world. It means he is God. 
Because if you read Exodus chapter 13, one of the manifestations of God to the Israelites was he became a pillar of fire by night and led them through the wilderness. And, and by the agency of fire, there is light that will help them in the midst of darkness. So Jesus was also implying, I am God. I am not just in the same class and in the same breath as God. I am actually God. I am the one who led the Israelites through the wilderness for 40, for 40 years by a pillar of fire. So that's Jesus. Jesus is expressing, I am God. So that was the second implication. Now, the works of God haven't ceased. Because you will think that when Jesus left, when he ascended, as is being recorded in Acts chapter 1, we will say the works of God have ceased. But they haven't ceased. It is done through the believers today. Every believer listening to me at the sound of my voice is a candidate of the works of God. It hasn't ceased. And I look forward to when we will do chapter 14 of this book because chapter 14 explains that further. So I wouldn't even want to go ahead of myself. But may I add one important piece to the pie? The works of God is time-sensitive, believer. You don't have all day and you don't have all the time. Jesus recognized that. You see, one, one, one of the um, criteria that is needed to know that you are wise is how you prospect time and use time. And that's why when you read Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle, who is Paul, said, we should redeem the time because the days ahead are the days of evil. That's what Jesus did. He knew he didn't have all the time in the world. And he knew he didn't have all day. He knew he didn't have all the opportunity. And he knew that as man, the son of Mary, a time will come he will have to live from this earthly shell and be with his father. He knew that. And if we believers are candidates of the works of God, to a dying world, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our loved ones, we need to come to the place and understand that we don't have all day and we don't have all time. Time is not on our side. A time will come, all of us listening to me at the sound of my voice, we will experience nine seasons. Let me even say, 100 years from now, add 100 years to your age, will you be here? Most of us, including me preaching, we would have all experienced our nice seasons. And when the nice season comes, and wherever our soul may be, and I, I, I want to believe that all of us will be in the presence of the Lord. Because the Bible says, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to believe all of us will be present with the Lord because we are believers. But before that, when your time comes up, Ask yourself, was I a candidate of the works of God? Because the works of God have not ceased. And John chapter 14 will address that. But verse 6 really makes a very interesting point. It talks about how Jesus healed the man. The Bible says that he spat on the floor 
mixed the saliva with clay and anointed the guy's eyes. I tell you, if I was in this meeting, I would have run away. There's no way I'm staying in that meeting. Amen. But what I get from this is that most times, the, the works of God are unconventional. And it defies reason and logic. So you may be asking, Pastor, if it defies reason and logic, why should I believe it? Because your heart will convict you. That's how you know. When it comes to the things of God, it's a, it's, it's a matter of the heart than the mind. But when it comes to a place where logic is defied, and then you are also not at peace, that is when you know that, yes, it might be unconventional, but I don't have peace about it. Are you understanding me? So when you are a believer, you don't judge things by, does it defy logic or reason? Judge things by, does it make an impression upon my heart? Am I sensing the peace of God? That's why when you read Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that we should let the peace of God rule our hearts. Other versions say, let the peace of God become an empire. Let it settle all matters finally. So as believers, there is a point at which we will have to use our mind and our logic. But most times when it comes to spiritual things, it is the heart over the mind. But when it comes to a place where the mind is not making sense and then you are also not feeling the peace of God in your heart, then you can reject it. Are you understanding me? So don't just reject things just because they are unconventional and they defy logic and reason. Reject things because the peace of God which serves as an empire is being troubled. Are you understanding me? So one of the ways by which we might not receive the works of God is when we come expecting it to be logical, analytical, and reasonable. It might not. And this was what happened. But how be it, this man was receptive to the miracle. And the works of God in this unnamed blind man healed, brought attention to the city. You see, after he received his miracle, the next thing that happened was that attention was brought to the city. And when I look at the works of God, I call it the alarm bells of the Spirit. Why? Because it comes to arrest your attention. That is the purpose of the works of God. The works of God comes to bring God into notoriety so that of a truth, we will have no reason to doubt that Jesus is God. That's why God in his mercy is making everything available so that during his day of judgment, man will never have an excuse that I never sense the presence of God. Everybody is sensing the presence of God one way or another, especially through the works of God, which is done by fellow believers. Amen. And I like something. This man probably was paid no attention when he was blind. But when he got healed, he became a source of questioning. People were questioning, who is he? Is it a blind man? I pray that from now to December, may God do something so miraculous, so wonderful in your life, that you will be the topic of discussion 
and you will be a source of questioning. They were questioning, who is this guy? Is this not the guy who was blind? Don't we know him? Is this not the guy that begs for money? But the man introduced himself and he said, I am he. And I like what the man did that we can learn from this lesson. The blind man responded to how his eyes were opened by pointing to Jesus. He wasn't ashamed of Jesus. He deflected all the praise, all the glory to Jesus for having his eyesight restored. And that is the purpose for the works of God. The works of God have been revealed on this earth so that it will serve as a pointer to Jesus as the sent one, not just as the son of Mary, but also as the son of God and as God. That is the reason for the works of God. And thanks be to God that this blind man who we didn't even know his name, who got healed, he is unnamed. When he received the miracle, he pointed to Jesus. The works of God in our lives should make us point us to Jesus and others to Jesus. The works of God that you have experienced should make us point to Jesus. If the works of God in your life is not making you point to Jesus, something is wrong. The works of God should let us point to Jesus. So what has Jesus done in your life? Jesus has done something in everybody's life. As I am preaching right now, all of us, one way or another, have become candidates of the work of God. Some of us, too, are also conduits of the work of God, which means that we minister the works of God to others. But through it all, Jesus has to be at the center. Jesus has to be glorified. Jesus has to be magnified. That is the very important reason for the works of God. Amen. This man didn't keep mute or silent, but he made Jesus popular. He was grateful to God for his healing, and he wasn't ashamed to testify. Please, if you are listening to me, never be ashamed to testify who Jesus is, especially if you have become a candidate of the works of God. When we conclude this chapter, we will see what this miracle did to this man. But I'm glad that this man was on the right track when he received the healing, unlike others. You know, there were some people who received healing, 10 lepers. The Bible lets us know that when the nine received the miracle, they just went. They never came back to say thank you. And probably they might not even make reference that they were once leprous. But the grateful one returned and came to give glory to God. It is not a natural response that when you receive the works of God, which can also come in the form of miracle, favor, mercy, or even being good, it is not likely that a person who has become a candidate of that will come and say thank you or will publicly attest to Jesus, testify of him, and point others to Jesus. It is not likely because there were some people who received miracles from Jesus who were very ungrateful. But not this man. This man experienced the works of God which proved that Jesus is the sent one and Jesus is the son of God and Jesus is God.
he testified. So today, if you are listening to me, I leave you with this truth. Jesus is God. Jesus was sent. His works which he did on earth testifies that he is God. His works that is presently done through the hands of the believers also testifies to the point that indeed he was sent and he is God. But I ask for a word of prayer. Just begin to thank God. We said a living God. Thank you, Jesus, for today's word. We want to give you praise. Kado balosi anta ni musika demandole basuki anta di buka parabada musika. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. May we be candidates. May we be candidates of the works of God. May we be candidates of the work of God. May we be conduits of the works of God. And Father, the only reason why we want to be involved in the works of God is to point others to you. That you are the sent one and you are the son of God. We thank you that of what we have learned today from a healing of an unnamed blind man, that will be our testimony this week. May we not be ashamed to publicly testify who Jesus is. As the sent one coming from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debts he paid from the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. Oh Lord, we will continue to lift your name on high and point others to the saving knowledge of who you are. That you are not just the son of God, but you are indeed God. We thank you, O oh Lord. Let this be our testimony. Let this be our song. Let this be our sermon. May we never be ashamed to testify of who you are to the world, to our friends, to our work colleagues, to our neighbors. May we not be ashamed. May we have every boldness, every alacrity to say that Jesus is Lord. Because we have learned of what the blind man did. Thank you, O Lord. And Father, as this message goes forth, we are convicted. Our senses are strengthened that indeed you are God of all gods. Indeed, you are Lord of all lords. Indeed, you are divine. Indeed, you are the most potent deity. Above all other, there is no other. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.